every Monday to Friday. This is Peter Lewis's Money Talk. Money Talk. Good morning. This is Peter Lewis at the start of the new working week. Welcome to Money Talk for Monday, the 29th of January, 2024. This podcast is sponsored by Surfing Group, which is headquartered in Singapore and offers online financial services to 30 million customers across 10 countries. In today's business and finance headlines... China's central bank unveiled broad plans to guide money into sectors of national importance to boost the faltering economy this year after unexpectedly cutting the reserve requirement ratio by 50 basis points last week. BBOC will set up a new credit market department to promote financing to technology, green and other sectors. It's also cutting the interest rate on more than 2 trillion yuan of low-cost funds for banks, a move intended to encourage more lending to agriculture and small firms. China will also offer more bailout loans for its struggling real estate sector, with the first funds expected to become available in the coming days, the housing ministry said on Friday. China's commerce minister has warned that rising protectionism, geopolitical disruptions in the Red Sea and slack demand were driving a more complex and severe global trade environment this year. Wang Wento said on Friday that Beijing would seek to strengthen exports, which fell last year for the first time since 2016, as well as imports, which have suffered from weak consumer sentiments. Chinese regulators on Sunday barred strategic investors from lending securities during restricted periods in an effort to stabilise the country's stock markets. The China Securities Regulatory Commission said that starting today there will be a complete suspension of the lending of restricted stocks and it will also take further measures starting March the 18th. Data showed a measure of inflation closely watched by the Federal Reserve fell below a year-on-year rate of 3% in December for the first time in almost three years. The core personal consumption expenditure index rose 2.9% year-on-year, down from a 3.2% pace in November and lower than consensus forecasts of 3%. On today's programme, I'm joined by Alex Wong, Director at Alex K.Y. Wong Asset Management, and providing a view from mainland China will be Brock Silver's CIO at Kyan Capital. Please take a look at my website, peterlewismoneytalk.substack.com, where you'll find plenty more information about the Tay's top business and finance stories from across Asia. On Wall Street's Friday, a series of a streak of record high finishes for the S&P 500 came to an end as several big tech stocks pushed the benchmark index to a loss. The S&P 500 inched down by 0.1% to 4,891. That ended a six-session winning streak, which included five record closing highs for the index. For the week, it rose 1.1%. The Nasdaq Composite slipped 0.4% to 15,455, hurt by a post-earnings slide of almost 12% in chipmaker Intel, but it rose 3% for the week. The Dow bucked the trend by adding 60 points, or 0.2% to 38,109, an all-time closing high, and that took its weekly gain to 0.6%. The yield on the US 10-year Treasury note erased its early drop to hover near the 4.15% mark, but remaining below the over one-month high of 4.18% hit on Wednesday. Fed Funds futures markets are pricing a 45% chance of an interest rate cut this week, down from 85%, sorry, in March, down from 85% a week ago, and a total of 133 basis points of cuts in 2024, which is down from 165 basis points a week earlier. The US dollar index was unchanged on Friday and flat for the week around 103.5%. 
The yen was the G10 underperform on Friday. The dollar was a third of percent firmer at 148.16 Japanese yen. The Chinese yuan traded in a narrow range all week as the PBOC intervened in offshore markets to reduce volatility. It ended Friday at 7.1763 renminbi in Shanghai. Spot gold went nowhere on the week, hovering around $2,020 an ounce. The price of Brent crude oil settled 1.4% higher Friday at $83.55 a barrel. That's its highest level since November the 6th, after an oil tanker was attacked in the Gulf of Aden. And for the week, it was up 6.4%, the best week since September. Stocks in Hong Kong and Shanghai were choppy as the effects of recent Chinese support measures waned. In Hong Kong, a three-day rally fueled by expectations of more government support for the financial markets came to an end. The Hang Seng Index fell 260 points, or 1.6% Friday, to 15,952, trimming the weekly gain to 4.2%. Still, it was the first winning week of 2024 and the best five-day period in nearly a month. Before the rally, Hong Kong's benchmarking index had the worst start to the year since 2016, slumping more than 12% to a 15-month low. China's CSI 300 index edged down a third of a percent Friday after posting gains of almost 4% over the previous three sessions, and it was up 2% over the week after Premier Li Chang called for more support for financial markets. And you can get more details on the latest market movements in my daily newsletter at peterlewismoneytalk.substack.com. Every Monday to Friday, this is Peter Lewis's Money Talk. Peter Lewis's Money Talk. Plenty to talk about this morning, so let's join our regular Monday morning guest, Alex Wong, who is director at Alex KY Wong Asset Management. Morning, Alex. Hi, morning, Peter. Um, so we've seen a number of announcements over um, over the weekend. First of all, the PBOC is going to try and promote financing to favoured sectors, particularly technology sectors, green sectors, and also trying to provide more low-cost funds for banks to, to encourage lending to agriculture and small firms. This sort of policy guidance, does, does it work? Is it possible for, for the PBOC through you know, the way it manages interest rates and, um, and, and uh, the RRR uh, to be able to direct money in this way to certain favoured sectors? I think, uh, of course, they can because uh, most banks actually are state-owned and actually they probably would act according to policy guidance. But I don't think uh, the effect would be that much. Uh, these are not new things, actually. So um, this guided uh, uh, lending actually are not new new things. Uh, we have seen that in the past, but uh, the impact actually has been quite minimal. I think uh, we need to restore confidence towards the private sector's uh, investment. Otherwise, I think uh, this cannot help much because uh, we need to see investors to follow um, the banks. Uh, but I think uh, they are still too skeptical. If you look at last week's action, actually, the private sector rebounds are not that much in Hong Kong. Mm. So, I mean, these sectors... Um... The, the problem is that they, they do have access to capital, don't they? I mean, I can understand that if capital was scarce and expensive, then these policies might help. But it seems that the problem is actually that the sectors already have this easy access to capital. They they just don't want to use it and don't want to spend it. Yeah, right. I think uh, for the mega, mega firms, actually, they are cash generative and they, are, uh, quite, they have quite easy access to capital. So mm-hmm. that's why uh, they, are, they are not much in need in this uh, kind of uh, help. But for those smaller firms, I think uh, they, 
they actually um, may get some help, but I don't think uh, investors would be confident enough to putting money to those uh, small firms. So I, I think uh, this is not helping too much because of this kind of uh, um, uh, situations. How does the PBOC make sure that it doesn't end up in just the same situation that it ended up in with the property sector, whereby it guided money into that particular sector only to overinvest? There was a lot of wasted malinvestments um, in, in the end, which it caused all the problems that we now see for the property sector. Isn't there the risk of just the same thing happening again, except in other sectors now? Yeah, I think in other sectors, uh, the, the impact may not be like uh, public sectors because public sector is asset heavy. So you are left with a lot of uh, public unfinished projects. But for these uh, private sectors, probably uh, you wasted in terms of uh, human resources, I think, or, 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 or some minimal uh, uh, capital investment. So I think uh, uh, the impact may not depend much, but uh, the, 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 the chance of wastage actually is, is, is quite high because uh, in those... Uh, 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 areas, I think uh, this is they they probably are uh, like to be a uh, winner take all situation. So if you invest in fail failures, then probably mm. your 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 investment actually is wasted. Mm. And, and the other announcement we've heard this weekend, uh, just uh, just yesterday, the Chinese regulators have barred strategic, strategic investors from lending securities during what they say are restricted periods. The China Securities Regulatory Commission said that starting today, there's going to be a complete suspension of the lending of restricted stocks. And it's also going to limit the efficiency of securities lending starting March the 18th, which suggests that there's going to be other measures announced uh, before March the 18th. But what do you make of this, Alex? I think uh, it will not help much because uh, uh, restrictions in source selling actually will not help much. If you look at Korea, actually, hmm, the impact is not that much. I think uh, uh, it it only helps to stabilize the market a little bit because of, of the uh, difficulties in source selling. But um, it also reduces the, the, the power of source grids. And I think it will reduce the volatility a little bit, but uh, it's not helping the directions of the market. People would not buy uh, because of uh, the ban of source selling, but um, um, they they probably um, uh, the price actually will be lifted because of this. Isn't this causing a lot of problems for the fund management industry on the mainland? All these restrictions. Not only can they not short sell, they can't sell stock they own already either, which I presume is going to cause problems if investors actually want to redeem money in their funds and, and get the funds back. Yeah, that, that I think uh, is a wrong process because if you put too many restrictions, actually people would not go in mm. uh, because they, they, they knew that in the future probably you have uh, you have difficulty in getting your money out. So that's best is uh, reducing the, 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 the incentive for new inflows actually. So I think uh, that's the downside of the current uh, situation. Is it a sign of desperation when you start hearing about all these measures, you know, uh, banning funds from selling stocks, restrictions of, of short selling and of, of, of lending stocks? Is it a sign that, um, that, that maybe they are getting very concerned but have run out of ideas about what to do? Yeah, I think uh, it's a little bit running off of ideas because uh, if you want to be effective, actually, you want to improve the quality of earnings of enterprises. Mm. Uh, what they are doing actually is uh, is trying to uh, put some um, help on the full size. Uh, so you are reducing the supply of shares and probably you're putting more money in the system. But I think uh, people uh, who are serious actually would be looking at the qualities of the earnings uh, instead of this kind of flows. So I think uh, this is uh, not helping too much in the long term.
I mean, I suppose the risk also is that it runs out of steam fairly quickly, doesn't it? You tend to get a short-term rebound, which can look quite dramatic um, at the time, but it tends not to last too long. That certainly seems to be the experience when we've seen this type of thing before in other markets. Yeah, right. That's true. I think because uh, the, the the key is that you, ha- you 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 do not have a much improvement in the quality of earnings of uh, listed enterprises. Mm. So that is a uh, key problem. So probably we would see another round of uh, safe haven buying into those state-owned enterprises, the best one, uh, because of uh, the, the new infos um, uh, or, or this kind of a full management. But uh, the, the point is uh, the other parts of the firm, uh, other parts of the market actually will not be get much help. Mm. So has the rally come to an end already? We we had a three-day rally last week, didn't we, which ran out of steam um, on Friday. Is is that likely to be it? Uh, I think uh, we probably will have a sustainable rally in state-owned enterprises. So we will have uh, a repeat of situation uh, in, in the last year with uh, 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 valuation of state-owned enterprises. But for private enterprises, I think uh, the rally probably would have ended because uh, uh, we have been hit. We have been hit by the um, by news from US. So Lenovo and Wuxi actually uh, done quite a lot on 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 last Friday mm. because of uh, potential sanctions from the US. So that is uh, uh, hurting the sentiment. I think uh, people are quite unsure about the uh, prospects of those exporters now. So. Um, Brands like Enovo, Xiaomi actually uh, probably would be our favor. And then um, for Megatex, actually, people are not uh, too, too, too serious as well uh, because we also have uh, uh, cases like Baidu, which were, uh, was done one day at, uh, by more than 10% because of the concern of a link to military use. So I think uh, people probably would be um, concerned about the um, private sectors. So um, we may see uh, another round of uh, upside in state-owned, but uh, state-owned actually um, are not too strong in, in, in their management. So um, we probably may see just one round of revaluation, uh, uh, then probably not sustainable uh, in, in, in the long term. So would you be a buyer of selective state-owned enterprises, or do you just think it's too risky at the moment? Oh, I think uh, this is still okay because I think uh, in China actually store of value become a problem for many one, many many people. Because uh, if you look at the uh, prices of gold in China or the even the um, Japan ETF in China, actually they are trade they have been trading at a, a premium which was not reasonable. So that means that people are looking for 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 places to store value. Mm. So um, I think uh, if people uh, reckoned uh, those state-owned businesses with strong cash flow and leading situation in their respective industries and not affected too much by U.S. sanctions, then I think uh, they probably would view them as a place to store value. So I think that uh, this need actually may put another round of revaluation. Probably we may have another 10 to 20 percent upside in certain state-owned enterprises. So I think that is okay for speculations or or or, or even uh, you're putting money for one year. But I think uh, the, they, they, they are not strongly managed companies. So um, this is uh, for just one round of evaluation. Mm. So you've got to be quite nimble then if you're going to do this in, in these companies and you've got to be out quite quickly. Uh, I think uh, if you are holding them uh, and you are content to just uh, take the dividend, then probably you'll be okay to holding them for long term. 
But um, if you want to look for um, strong capital allocations over a long period, then uh, not not too good choices. Because um, if you look at the long long run performance, I don't think uh, they would uh, outperform uh, other markets because um, they just lack the, uh, the the management expertise to grow the company continuously. Mm. And um, what about in Hong Kong? Would you look at safe, conservative companies here like um, like HSBC, for example? I remember we talked a few months ago about this, about your index of, uh, of some of these companies in, in Hong Kong. Is this the time to look at them? Yeah, I think it's the time. I think uh, we can uh, probably um, announce the comeback of the index now. Because, uh, <laughs> the famous <laughs> Alex Index, new. yes. Yeah, right. Uh, I think, uh, uh, first of all, the, the two state-owned enterprises actually uh, are the best choices among uh, uh, um, those uh, companies. So um, CNOC and, and China Mobile actually uh, are strongly favored now. Mm. And then HSBC probably may, may have another round of upside because um, uh, right now I think uh, the uh, macro expectations in, in the world uh, has been changing to soft landing. And, and probably a higher rate for a little bit longer. So that's uh, the best case scenario for banks. So I think uh, HSBC also probably would, uh, would have some upside as well. And, and also uh, people are uh, running out of choices among other blue chips and the concerns for Chinese and the private enterprises uh, remain. So I think uh, this fee actually would continue to outperform the market. And we, we've talked about how much this is hurting the fund management industry, but how much has this slide damaged retail investors? We're hearing all sorts of stories about um, they've been taking some heavy hits from derivatives from uh, that have been linked to the Hang Seng, these callable ball bear contracts, CBBCs as they're known, uh, which in effect have been taken out. Um, when when the market crashed and the investors have lost all of their money from them and maybe about one and a half billion dollars in total, is this a big problem? Uh, I think uh, uh, this is okay because uh, people who, who who are buying this kind of derivative sector know the risk. Mm. Uh, they probably uh, may not bet too much of their their money because um, uh, uh, the they know that the the leverage is very high. Uh, we are talking about a very high uh, uh, gearing ratio, so uh, probably they are putting only a small more size of the portfolio into this kind of uh, betting tools. So overall, the, the, the numbers look a little bit big, but I think uh, they are spreading out to many investors who are able to bear the loss. This is not like a margin margin lending, because mm-hmm. um, in margin lending, probably you would be um, uh, betting too much. But for this kind of uh, callable contracts, actually, you know the risk, and then you probably you know that you probably will be wiped out soon. So uh, And also, you, you do not need to put extra capital to pay out you because um, this is not like margin. So um, I think uh, the impact may not be too much. I mean, we're hearing all of these measures now, aren't we? They're, they're coming in a rush almost to try and stabilise the market. Triple R cuts, directing the lending to certain sectors, banning short selling, stopping funds from selling their existing holdings. If this doesn't work, what does, where does the market go from here? Are there any other measures uh, that the authorities can take or are they really running out of arrows in their quiver here? Well, I think uh, they, they, what they can do is to cut rates uh, and probably may have some uh, consolidation within the uh, public sector or, or within other sectors as well. But I think uh, it's very difficult because you have to need to change some structural issues like uh, deflation 
mm-hmm. um, and bad situations in China. So I think uh, this is very difficult to reverse the situation. So these measures actually are only helping to uh, ease the situation a little bit in the short term. But I think the long term key rate, key issues actually remain, especially now U.S. actually are targeting towards uh, some um, uh, Chinese companies. It would even make the 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 the, the, the recovery harder. So I think uh, uh, we we probably at best would get a revaluation of those uh, safer, say on say stay on enterprises only. But I don't think uh, we will see a complete comeback of the whole market. So it, it seems like from what you're saying that th- these measures don't really deal with the fundamental underlying problems that are causing the market to decline in the first place. Yeah, right. I think uh, uh, we probably need we need a. a a very long period to see uh, the real recovery mm. because uh, right now I think uh, uh, first of all the deflation pressure actually uh, remains and and that is uh, hurting a lot uh, on valuation because uh, people would be very concerned about uh, price cut competitions among the Chinese enterprises in the local markets. So I think uh, that actually uh, would be a very key issue. But uh, the policy actually failed to address this uh, area. Mm. And what about in the US? Are we heading for a soft landing here? We've had some more data. We had some pretty good economic data, didn't we, last week? And then that was capped with the core PCE, uh, Personal Consumption Expenditure Index, which is the Fed's preferred measure of inflation. Uh, It rose 2.9% year on year. So it's back below 3% now for the first time since 2021. Are Are all the things in place for a soft landing, do you think? Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, probably we will see a soft landing. Of course, I think uh, we probably may see some uh, weaknesses uh, in, in some areas uh, coming forward because uh, we have been seeing the weights to stay so long at uh, this level. So uh, I think uh, some negative impacts actually may uh, may finally be seen. But I think uh, overall, the, the the situation is much more resilient than we thought. And, and actually, inflations are coming down now. So I think uh, the soft landing scenario is quite high. So this means then that uh, markets have got to start scaling back, surely, some of their anticipations for rate cuts this year. Yeah, right. I think uh, probably they were scaling back, but the impact may not be too much because uh, this year, actually, we have seen a divergence between the performance of the stock market and the bonds. Uh, bonds actually uh, have continued to retreat uh, in 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 this year, but uh, the stock market actually uh, continue to make a new new highs because of the AI concept. I think uh, we may see the rally to uh, broaden out. Uh, we probably may see some uh, pickup in uh, small caps or or banks or oil. I think uh, because of this uh, soft landing expectations. So um, probably may, we may see the market to consolidate at a relative high level, even though um, the wake-up expectation is uh, being um, delayed, I think. And of course, the Fed is meeting this week. We're going to get the decision on Thursday morning, Hong Kong time. The, has the Fed got to, at this meeting, start talking about rate cuts and, and when we're likely to expect them? I think probably they, they, they may. But I think uh, the problem may, may just... Um, uh, stay put for for longer than uh, people expect. I think uh, the chance of a March rate cut actually is not too high.
Mm. And, and the stock market, it just keeps scaling new highs, doesn't it? The S&P 500, the Dow, both at new highs, the NASDAQ not far off. Well, the NASDAQ 100 is at new highs, the NASDAQ composite not far off. It just seems that investors just focus on the good and ignore the bad at the moment, although the, perhaps there hasn't been a lot of bad to, to focus on. But it, it just seems that investors are just totally focused on the good parts of the data each time. Oh, I think uh, they, they have a enough market breath uh, to take money because uh, actually Tesla and Intel uh, have retreated quite a lot uh, recently, but that failed to uh, hurt the market sentiment. So I think uh, that's the, the beauty of the US market because they have a strong breath. Uh, and then um, this week, uh, probably we, we may see some volatilities among big techs because of the uh, upcoming earnings announcements. But I think uh, the uh, overall sentiment remains strong. And, and as I've said, I think uh, the rally probably would bottom out. So uh, we may see um, a, a, another round of uh, 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 info into those uh, value camps in the U.S. So probably uh, we may see some sector rotations to support the market index. But uh, with the with with the um expected retreat in some big techs, probably uh, the index may not do too much. Is there anything about the U.S. market that worries you? Anything that you can see as a, a negative that would maybe um, counsel some caution going forward? Oh, I think uh, right now the, the the concern is in the bond market. Actually, uh, we have shrugged off the uh, uh retreat in the bond market this year. But uh, if the bond market continue to 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 fall, then probably I think we may see a final track in the equity market. Um, so um, we need to see whether um, this kind of divergence can persist. And, and where would you be concerned? Where the, the ten-year yield at the moment is what three point one five? Is there is there a level at which you you would start to get concerned? Oh, I think another two three percent in uh, drop in the prices of bonds. I would 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 be quite big a concern. We, we have seen the bond market stabilizing a little bit uh, uh, over the last two, three days. So uh, inflation data actually has been favorable, but the bond market actually failed to do much. So I think the next two, three day action actually would be key. If we see another uh, drop of uh, two, three percent in prices, then I think uh, that would be a big concern for me. Mm. And, and are you concerned about what's going on in the Middle East with these um, missile attacks on tankers? So it's forcing a lot of shipping now, isn't it, to go around uh, the Cape of Good Hope, adding a lot to the costs of uh, shipments. Are you worried that this could be inflationary and this could ultimately cause the Fed and other central banks to hold back from cutting interest rates? Yeah, that is a, uh, a potential risk, but I, I'm not too concerned at the moment. If you look at the rises in the, in the oil markets, actually, that is not too much. I think uh, in the meantime, it is still okay. But uh, of course, if the situation worsens further, then that would be a concern. But uh, in the meantime, I think uh, uh, we probably may not uh, overplay the importance of this. Is it important for China because they import about half of their crude oil from Iran and other countries in the Middle East and, and much of its trade with the EU, which is its second biggest trading partner, also passes through the Red Sea? Is, is this likely to have um, an impact on China? Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, but I'm not more concerned about the potential sanctions of the US for Chinese exporters. So uh, I think, of course, uh, this these are the concerns. That's why we are seeing a, a, a very big defect selling 
in 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 China Chinese exporters uh, on last Friday. So I think uh, this concern actually will remain. So um, probably uh, the best strategy is stay out of uh, Chinese uh, manufacturers right now. And what about firms, other firms outside of China? We're seeing um, several firms now warning of the impact. Tesla's planned a two-week production halt at one of its German plants. Uh, Volvo also announced a stoppage in one of its factories. Uh, We've had various retailers flagging the risk of higher prices for consumers because of the extra costs. Um, Are there warning signs there from, from these firms? Yeah, yeah, that's that's why I think uh, that is uh, some warning signs. So um, that's why I think uh, people um, are more comfortable in investing in companies like uh, uh, tax because they are not selling tangible physical things. So I think uh, this probably may be the long term trend in the in investment because um, uh, selling physical things actually uh, would have small risk and also people are more. Um, tilted towards uh, experience uh, uh, spending now uh, instead of physical things. Uh, so that's why I think uh, we may see some preference in the market uh, for tax uh, and also for probably financial servicing companies instead of uh, uh, brand name selling the physical things. Mm, so presumably things like car makers as well, they will be worth avoiding because they're, they're having to revise down their earnings, aren't they? Because of uh, these, we're seeing various sectors now having to, analysts having to rethink the earnings as a result of this. Yeah, and also uh, we probably may see a uh, very, uh, very serious uh, consolidation within the car industry. If you were the EV, Manufacturing share prices in Hong Kong actually they are delayed. They have been delayed uh, a lot since this year. Mm. So I think uh, people finally expect uh, the market to compete uh, uh, severely. So I think uh, uh, this is uh, better to stay out of the uh, car makers uh, in the world. Okay, and finally, let me let me ask you get your thoughts on U.S. earnings seasons overall. Fourth quarter earnings season. This is going to be an important week for it, isn't it? Some big tech companies reporting um, this week. How's it gone so far? How's how's it looking? Uh, right now, uh, we are seeing some weakness in 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 certain companies like Tesla and Intel, but we are seeing strong strong reactions to uh, TSMC and also ASML. I think uh, uh, this is more down to company execution. Overall, I think uh, the AI investment trend actually remains strong, and so I think that, that is also uh, that probably would still support uh, the overall sentiment. Uh, but uh, individual company ex- executions actually differ quite a lot uh, in this uh, challenging environment. And for um, uh, retail, I think uh, we have seen strong earnings from LVMH, uh, uh, and that is quite surprising. So probably we may see uh, some polarization within companies selling physical things. Probably people would go towards uh, the highest end like LVMH uh, and Hermes, and, and also they probably may, may like uh, companies which are selling cheap things like Costco. But uh, overall, I think uh, those uh, selling to middle classes probably would be affected uh, in the current uh, economic situation. So we probably may see um, very um, polarized performance uh, uh, in this earnings seasons. Mm. Isn't it notable, isn't it, in Europe, the luxury sector has done so well. It's driven the uh, France's CAC 40 to a new all-time high. Yeah, uh, actually, that's quite a little bit surprising because they had been retreating since last quarter. 
people has expected slowdown in China would uh would impact those companies. So we are seeing a, a big corrections in uh, earnings in LVMH. But this round of earnings actually surprised the market, and we are seeing strong pickup. So um. Probably that means that the WeChat actually are more resilient than others. Uh, probably means just um, less affected by the general public, probably. Okay, Alex, that's great. Thank you very much indeed for your thoughts this morning. That's Alex Wong, who is director at Alex KY Wong Asset Management. I'm joined now by Brock Silvers, who is chief investment officer at Kion Capital. Morning, Brock. Good morning. Good to be here. Thanks. Uh, more announcements over the weekend to, from China to try and support uh, their floundering stock markets, uh, adding to what we heard last week. Uh, the latest plan uh, is to, in effect, stop companies from lending out stocks uh, for short selling. What do you make of that? Well, look, it, it, it's not good. I guess the good news is that the officials are now kind of accepting reality, market reality, and are determined to somehow act. Um but the bad news is that I'm very skeptical regarding the flurry of actions that we've seen. As you said, okay, they, they want to control shorting. Um, fine, but restrictions on on capital flows are not exactly what's needed to re-engage with foreign capital. You know, foreign capital is fleeing because it's, uh, in, in large measure, uh, uncomfortable with government involvement in the markets and, and the economy. And more of the same is not what's needed in order to uh, to, to regain that comfort. And, I so, and that's just the beginning of a list of issues that have that have popped up in this vein over the last week. I, I would have thought that if uh, you know if I was a foreign investor in the mainland markets, I'd be concerned that I could get trapped in those markets now with all these restrictions on not just shorting but even long funds not being allowed to sell their holdings either. It, it doesn't doesn't make you feel like that this is a market that you can get into and out of easily, does it? That's that's right. And it, it as you say, it's not just the shorting, but sell orders are now being widely, quote unquote, restricted. Mm. Well, we don't know what that means, but I know it doesn't sound good. And for foreign investors who are trying to, to um, to effectively manage not only client funds, but their own careers and bonuses. That's just, I, I think, a, a bridge too far. Mm. I mean, over the years, I've seen several markets try and do this when the, when there's been a downturn in the markets. Um, I don't really recall it ever really working, apart from maybe causing a short-term um, rebound, and, and the rallies tend to run out of steam fairly quickly. But but, but what's your experience of this? Does, does it work? Look, the whole um, the whole stabilization effort, which you know goes hand in hand with the rumored um, you know stabilization fund that we've heard about in the last week, two trillion two trillion yuan, which is two hundred and eighty plus billion USD. Um, look, propping up stock prices, you know, may sound good to some, but it's just market manipulation by the state. And it's the national team kind of inflating prices while the government restricts sell orders. That that is just not a key towards uh, towards resuming foreign investor enthusiasm. Now, in 2015, China China tried a similar manipulation and it didn't work. Mm. I don't expect it would work this time either. But to tell you the truth, it wouldn't surprise me if the bailout fund is more rumor than truth and it's never actually implemented. I just think it's that bad of, a, of an idea. Does it smack of desperation when you hear all of this? 
the whole thing smacks of um, of uh, of a fear born of realism. We have to do something, mm. but it's also desperate. They they just they don't want to to tackle the much harder underlying um, economic issues. So they're, they they instead are trying to go for the lower hanging fruit of stabilization. But but look, I, I just don't think it's going to work. I mean, that's the key thing, isn't it? None, none of these measures that have been announced so far, whether it be banning short selling, restricting longs, um, the triple R cut, doesn't get to the fundamental economic problems, which are things like the, the sliding property market, deflation on the mainland. I, I don't really see how it gets to the, the, the fix those problems at all. Yeah, look, especially the triple R cut, I thought was pure stabilization that just color me unimpressed, even despite the, the first time use of a press conference to indicate we're, we're super serious. Now, um, just unimpressive. Now, look, the underlying issues that are plaguing China right now are, are strikingly evident. China's growing more slowly. Real estate and infrastructure can't come to the rescue this time. Those were the, the primary drivers of, of yesteryear. Foreign investors are increasingly concerned with investability. There are huge solvency issues that have to be faced down this year with developers, LGFVs, local governments, maybe even banks. Um, one glaring example this afternoon, Evergrande looks likely to be wound up, which mm -hmm. will again be a terrible signal. If the Hong Kong court issues that wind-up order, that will have a significantly negative impact on sentiment. So, Last week's activities, I think, were significantly more smoke than fire. And until authorities want to deal with these underlying issues, it's just hard to be optimistic for the markets. And I'd also say that the further we kick that can down the road, the more painful the eventual solution will have to be. So what, what should the authorities be doing instead? I mean, if, if it's not for these stabilization measures, um, what can they do to try and stabilize the markets if, if it can be stabilized? Because it, it could be, couldn't it, that the market is, is sliding for very good reasons um, and, and that, you know, it shouldn't be totally unexpected. That, that's right. Look, the, the question isn't what can they do, because my answer would reflect the fact that I'm, you know, uh, that I come from a different economic and political system. The question is, what can they do that would be politically palatable at this moment? And that's a much more difficult question to answer, because the answer is, gee, I, I think they're they're trying hard right now to find that politically palatable answer. But but, you know, what we have here are, are just sort of. Uh, systemic realities, right? We, we've, we've brushed up against the edges of, of the prior system um, and stabilization measures just aren't going to cut it. So they're left in a very difficult situation where they have to choose between um, economic difficulties or politically unacceptable answers. And, and I presume that the authorities in Beijing don't want to admit that their previous policies were wrong. Uh, no, that's that's entirely correct. I mean, when has that ever happened? Um, but just even ignoring the past policies, call them a fantastic step to the eventual solution. But still, that next step, um, if it's going to work, I just don't see how how it's politically feasible. I mean, look, I think there's a significant um, restructuring both of finances and the overall economic model that has to happen. There's just mm -hmm. too much insolvency in the system. Um, 
And that probably won't happen until reality forces it to occur. It would be, you know, politically extremely difficult to enact. So I think that's where we're heading. Um, but we'll see. In the, in the meantime, I know the maturity schedule for developers and LGFEs and local governments is unworkable this year. And, you know, even if we solve the Evergrande problem today, we have a series of equal problems on the docket um, approaching at rapid speed. Do you, does things get to a point, though, where you look at the markets and you think, despite all these problems, which, which we know about and uh, the, the lack of dealing with them, do you think it's just now so cheap that on a long-term basis, it's worth dabbling and, and maybe buying some of these battered down companies? For most investors, my answer is a strong no. Um, because I just think uh, if it were just a cyclical issue, if it were just purely economics, I think there there might be some sense in, in what you're saying. But if you throw in the investability concerns, I just don't think we're there. Now, mm. there may be distressed specialists, um, you know, uh, sort of emerging market bond specialists who can who can make a dollar in this market. But for most people, I just don't think the enticing valuations um, are, are are that attractive just yet. And I can see that valuations are enticing. Mm. And I suppose on top of that as well, for foreign investors, there's also this issue, isn't there, of um, the opaqueness of the data that's coming out of the mainland, which just seems to be getting worse at the moment. I've had several people tell me. I was going to say, it's, it's getting... not opaqueness, it's the increasing opaqueness, yeah, the it... opacity. Um, you know, just as just as authorities are clamping down on kind of the, the free movement of markets, they're even more stridently clamping down on the free movement of information. So if, you know, if you can't do any, any research and due diligence is restricted and there are no, there are no kind of onshore third parties to whom you can turn um, and you may not be able to sell or short. I mean, it just becomes a very difficult decision when you're thinking, gee, should I bet my clients returns and my own bonus on this market? And on top of that, those foreign firms that do try and do some due diligence into the data um, and, and try and make some analysis of it, they're finding their executives are getting jailed for, for providing secrets overseas. Yeah, look, the ones that the ones that are willing to do that are the ones that are, are basically um, less involved in the local market. So they're the ones in the worst position to do that work are the ones who are more willing. The ones who are better positioned are the ones who are more at risk and who are who are too scared. Mm. Where on earth do we go from here? When you put this all together, um, it, it seems rather grim, doesn't it? Well, look, there will be a new dawn at some point. <laughs> I just don't think it's tomorrow. Mm. Um, I think, look, the Chi Chinese markets are very difficult right now. I think they're likely to remain difficult uh, in 2024. Um, I think things may have to get worse before the government starts to consider some of the more difficult steps it will have to consider in order to right the ship. The long-term prognosis r remains the same. It's still a huge economy. It still is growing. You know, there's still tremendous opportunity. But in the short and medium term, they just seem to have done everything they can to 
to make people ignore the long term. And as you said earlier, um, in the meantime, we better watch the Hong Kong courts today to see what happens to Evergrande. 2.30 p.m. <laughs> it's in it, your diary. It'll be a big day for Evergrande and a big day for the market, I'm sure. <laughs> OK, Brock, it's always great to talk to you. Thank you very much indeed for your, your thoughts there. That's Brock Silvers, who is okay. Chief Investment Officer at Kyan Capital. You're listening to Peter Lewis's Money Talk. Money Talk. And thank you for listening this morning. Do please take a look at my daily newsletter, which has more information on some of the topics we've discussed today. You'll find that at peterlewismoneytalk.substack.com. I'll be back with another show tomorrow. Joining me then will be Mark Michelson, Chairman of the Asia CEO Forum at IMA Asia, Corinne Hearn, who is Partner and Chief Sustainability Officer at East Capital Group, and our US Economics Correspondent, Writer and Broadcaster, Barry Woods. See you tomorrow. Money Talk. Talk.